So it's so good to have you with us this morning. Like I said, we've been, uh, we started this sermon series called Winning the War in Your Mind, and it's based on Greg Gashel's book called Winning the War in Your Mind. It's a great book. Uh, I'm just going to be hitting the highlights during the series. Uh, I would invite you, though, if you want to dig deeper into this, grab the book. Like I said, you can get it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. And um, it's just an amazing book. And like Lori said, because 95% of the things uh, that are going on in our lives, they start in your mind. And so, um, so that's where we're at. We're winning the war in our mind. And I want to start this morning with one of the most important scriptures in God's word on this subject. So when we're thinking about winning the war in our mind, this scripture is so important. It's something that we need to uh, anchor ourselves to. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, let's just read it out loud together, and let's just wake up and, and get plugged in. Here we go. One, two, three, read. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And so there's some things in here. Uh, if you'll put that back up for me, if you don't mind. There's some things here that I want you to focus on in the scripture. The first one is this. Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. And think about that for a minute. That means don't think like the world thinks. Uh, don't act like the world acts. Don't uh, behave like the world behaves. Paul's like, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but, everybody say but, be transformed. What does that mean? That means to be renewed, to be changed, to be uh, refreshed. And how are we to be transformed? How are we to be changed? He tells us right there, by the renewing of your mind. That we, Paul says, listen, if you're going to win the battle that's going on in your mind, you can't conform to the patterns of this world, but you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we're talking about winning the war in your minds. And I don't know about you, but I've made some pretty stupid decisions in my life. Anyone else with me on that? Anyone else made pretty dumb decisions in your life? Okay, so I'm not the only one. We've all made some pretty stupid decisions in your life. And, and, uh, and, and, and you want to hear about one of mine? Anyone want to hear about one of mine? Uh, I'll share. I'll embarrass myself for you. Uh, about 12 years ago, I decided that I wanted to be more financially responsible and that I wanted to decrease my debt. And my goal was to get out of debt. And, and I decided this. I decided that if I sold my truck, and I paid cash for a car that I could eliminate a car payment and thus save some money each month. And so I figured out my budget on what car, I, how, how much I could afford, and I began looking for cars. Now, back 12 years ago, we had a ton of kids still living at home. So there was four kids, two adults, and a dog. And so we had to have something that would fit all six of us. And, uh, and a minivan was completely out of the question. Like, I refused to drive a minivan. And so I began to look, and I found an older Land Rover, and it had a third row. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. Uh, it was perfect. It had enough seats. There it is right there. It was maroon, just like that one. Uh, I had enough seats because I had the third row. We could all fit in it. There was even space in the back for the dog. And, 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 um, and so I, it looked really cool, and, and it was a Land Rover. I was like, I can't, I can't believe it. I'm, like, I'm going to buy a Land Rover. And, and well, days after I bought it, the engine light came on, and, uh, and soon after that, we discovered that when it rained, that the, the water came in the back door, and that anyone that was sitting in the back would get soaking wet when it was raining, and we lived in Florida, and it was summertime, and it rained a lot, 
And, uh, and so people in the back were getting soaked. And then a few months after that, uh, there was this little cool little switch called the neutral safety switch uh, that, um, that malfunctioned, malfunctioned and it rendered the car completely useless. Like if it didn't work, the car wouldn't turn on. And so I took it to my mechanic and there was only one, let me tell you, there was only one neutral safety switch in the United States. And it was used and it was in a junkyard and it was in like Michigan and it was attached to a transmission and the guy wouldn't sell me the switch without the transmission and it was going to cost me $4,000. I'm like, I didn't even pay $4,000 for the car and you want me to buy this thing and then I could go to England and I could order it overseas and it would come in like weeks, uh, maybe even months and it would be about $2,000. I was like, this is ridiculous because if I owned a Ford or a Chevy, it would cost me like 25 bucks and I could go anywhere and I could pick one up. And it didn't take me long to figure out that I had made a really dumb decision buying this car. And, and, and the thing was, the only thing that I wanted was to save money. Like that was the goal, was to save money. And for some stupid reason, my brain misfired and I ended up self-destructing in a very, very stupid moment. Anyone else ever done that before? Like, I know I'm not the only one in the room that has done something stupid like that. And maybe, maybe uh, you can relate. Uh, and maybe, maybe you wanted to be nice to your spouse, right? Like, maybe you decided, I'm going to be nice to my spouse. And the next thing you know, you're yelling at your spouse. Or, or maybe you said, you know what? I want to trust God. I want to trust God with something. But instead of trusting God, you just continue to worry and worry and worry. And it makes me wonder sometimes, why is it? Why is it that the one thing, uh, that, that we want one thing, but we decide to do something completely different? Why do we behave so irrationally? That's the question I want us to think about. Why do we behave so irrationally so often? And I, I want to try and answer that question today. And, and I want to do it by sharing a story that Craig Grishel tells in his book that might give you a visual of um, a why in our minds we often make irrational decisions. And so in his book, he tells the story of his very first car. I don't know why it's on a car theme today. It's, it, it wasn't done in purpose, but, but he tells about his very first car. And it was a 1979 Buick uh, uh, Century. And he shares how at the age of 17, living in small town Oklahoma, it was impossible to be cool in an old 1977 or 1979 Buick Century that was poop brown, had a spoiler on the back and said turbo in big letters on the, on the rear bumper. It was impossible. And so he decided, you know what, I'm going to try and I'm going to up my car game by installing this really cool and loud stereo system. I can relate because when I was his age, I had like this Renault Alliance. Like, it was my hand-me-down that my dad gave me. He thought it was a cool buy. It was the worst car we ever bought. And, uh, and, I, and I understand, you know, trying to up your cool game by putting in a loud stereo. And so Craig tells the story of doing that and how he bought this really high-end Alpine stereo system, which if you're a car buff, you're like, yeah, that, I get that. And, and some of you know what you're talking about. Like, you're, some of you are thinking, man, I can almost hear REO Speedwagon blaring in the car. Or I can almost feel... Like the Eagles or Def Leppard are just coming out of the back speakers. And, and so he buys this stereo, but he couldn't afford 
to have it professionally installed. And some of you might be able to relate to that too. Like he spent all his money on the stereo and he couldn't afford to have it installed. And he had no idea what he was doing, but he decided, I'm going to figure it out. And this was before YouTube videos. And so there wasn't a YouTube video that showed you how to do it. And he just jumped in and started trying to install the stereo himself. And it took all day, he says. He tells in the book how it took all day and into the night. And, and as the evening came, he finally had to turn the lights on in the car just to see what he was doing out in the driveway. And, and later that night, he finally figured out he had it all set and he hit the power button. The stereo came on and it was a glorious moment. And then the next day, he woke up for school, and he got up to drive the car to school, and he hit the power button on the stereo, and nothing happened. Like, it didn't work. He's like, what in the world happened? Like, it worked perfect last night, and then it's not working. And he was devastated. He's like, where's Ario Speedwagon? And then, oddly enough, the evening, uh, that evening when he was going home, the stereo started working again. He's like, I don't understand. Like, this doesn't make sense. And he was so confused. And the next morning, he got back in the car to go to school, hit the power button, no tunes. Like, there was nothing. And then on the way home that night, guess what? The stereo was working. And many of you have already figured out what the problem was, but Craig couldn't figure it out. And he was baffled. He's like, why is the stereo working so irrationally? And it was because of this. It was because he crossed the wires, right? Like it was because instead of power, putting the power wire to the power and the battery, he put it to the power and the headlights. And so the only time the radio would work was when the headlights of the car were on. And he tells about how for the rest of the duration of, of the car's life, he just drove around with the headlights on all the time <laughs> so that he could listen to his radio. And, and I wonder, you know, that's a beautiful story, but why is it that we behave so rationally so often? I think the reason is because in our minds, we've got our wires crossed. And if you were with us last week, we talked about the neural pathways that, that take place in our brain. And here's what we said. We said that every time you think a thought, right, every time that you think a thought, you're creating a new pattern of thought or a new pathway. And there's billions of pathways happening in your brain. And it's almost like a mental trail. You, you create this mental trail in your mind and your experiences or your thoughts are wiring or programming your brain. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not, but what you think actually programs your brain. For example, uh, I'll give you a really simple example. For example, if a little baby smiles and, and the mom smiles back and says, oh, goo goo gaga, and, and with a big smile on her face, the baby's brain creates a little pathway that says, hey, smiling is good. Like, I get mom's attention when I smile. And, and, and the same thing happens if a baby touches something hot, a hot stove or something that's really warm, and the, and the, and the body feels pain, the baby creates a pathway or the brain the baby's brain creates a pathway that states hot stove bad don't touch or for example if the baby wants a sucker and says i want a sucker and mom says no sucker and the baby starts to cry and then the mom gives in and gives the baby a sucker the baby's brain says hey crying gets what i want and that's why some of you moms out there are suckers right now, right? Because that's what happens. The baby's brain creates this path that says, if I cry, I'll get what I want. And here's what happens. When we think a thought, our brain 
is creating these new neural pathways. And the more we think a thought, the more we think a same thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. And the more dominant that thought becomes in our thought life, which is really good news if we're thinking about truth. But it's incredibly bad news when many of us are thinking about lies. Why do we behave so irrationally? Many times it's because we have the wires in our minds crossed. And so let's, let's just review some of our thoughts from, from last week. What do we know about our mind? We know this, and, and, and Lori alluded to this at the very beginning. She said, our mind is a battlefield. And most of our life's battles are won or lost in the mind. That's where it happens. And, and we looked last week at the, this powerful scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul tells us that we live in the world. We live in the world, but we do not wage war as the world does. And as followers of Christ, we don't use worldly weapons, but we use spiritual weapons. And they're not the same weapons as what the world uses. And we said the only offensive weapon that was given to us was the spirit of truth, the sword of truth, which is God's word. And we said this is our weapon. This is what we fight with. And so we talked about that last week. And in our weapons, we said this. We said that our weapons, Paul says it in 2 Corinthians, that our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds in our lives. That God's truth has the power to demolish strongholds in our lives. And we said, well, what is a stronghold? We defined it. We said a stronghold, it's a wrong pattern of thinking. That any wrong pattern of thinking, any lies that we've allowed into our thought life is a stronghold. And it's a place where the wires in our brains have been crossed. And therefore, we have to demolish them. We have to demolish every wrongly crossed wire that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And Paul tells us that we must take captive. Everybody say captive. We have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That our mind is such a powerful thing and we've got we've to think about what we think about. That's what, what I challenged you with last week is to stop and to think about the things that you think about and take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And why does every thought matter? Why is that so important? Well, it matters because we said this last week. We said your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That what comes into your mind tends to come out in your life. Think about that for a minute. What comes into your mind eventually comes out in your life. And you cannot have a positive life. Think about this. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. When the wires are crossed, if you don't control what you think, you'll never be able to control how you act. And so today, we're going to create some tools uh, that we're going to build on in the upcoming weeks. And we started this last week. We're going to build upon these tools each and every week. And so let's talk about this. Today, I want to talk about how do you train your minds? How do you train your minds? Now, I'm guessing that a lot of you never thought about training your minds. Like if I talked to you and I asked you, I said, hey, have you ever thought about that? You'd probably be like, no, nah, I really never thought about it. Like, like I've thought about training my dog and I've thought about training my body, but I've never really thought about training my mind. And there's a really a direct correlation between training your body and training your mind. 
For example, many of us think that training our body is all about exercise, right? Like you say, hey, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to train my body. And you think it's all about exercise. And you know, you're, you're thinking, I'm going to go run. I'm going to do pull-ups. I'm going to do push-ups. I'm going to do jumping jacks. And, and I'm going to do sit-ups. And we think about, all we think about is what we're going to do to train our bodies. But then you realize that training your body isn't just about what you do with your body. We discover that it's also about what you put into your body that helps you to train. You just can't eat anything you want, right? If you're going to train your body, if you're going to get serious about slimming up or, or bulking up or, 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 or getting abs, you're going to have to think about what you're putting into your body. And, and it's the same thing with our minds. That It's not just about how we've been thinking but it's also about what we are pouring into our mind that impacts our thought life. It's this. It's not just what you do with it. It's also what you put in it. And I want to show you how the Apostle Paul teaches us to train our minds. And he gives us a great example of it in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8. And so if you have your Bibles, I just invite you to open it up to Philippians. It's towards the end of the New Testament. Again, it's a, a letter that... The church that, that Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And let me just give you some context as he's writing this letter. Uh, he's writing this from a Roman prison. So Paul has been locked up. He's on house arrest. And it's not like a, an ideal situation. He's chained to a guard. Every eight hours that guard is changed or switches out. So he's not by himself. He goes to the bathroom. A guard goes with him. He eats. Somebody's with him. He's constantly under house arrest. And, and in fact, it's kind of a terrifying place to be. He's awaiting possible execution, and, and he's in a really bad spot. And I want you to hear what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And here's what he says. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Verse 9 goes on and he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So here's Paul. He's in prison. He's chained to another guard. And he's writing some final thoughts to the church in Philippi. And he says, hey, he says, brothers and sisters, he's like, church, let me just give you one more thing. And, and let me tell you what he did not say. Paul doesn't say, church, let me just let you know that God let me down. Like, here I am. I've been faithful. I've been serving. I've been doing ministry. And now I'm in prison. God let me down. He didn't say that. He didn't say uh, he, he didn't say he could have, uh, uh, he, he didn't say, I can't go on with life. Like, I'm tired of being in prison. I'm tired of waiting for this. Like, I just want it to be over. He didn't say that. He didn't say, you know what, things can't get any worse than they are right now. Uh, woe is me. Uh, I, life sucks. I can't believe this is where I'm at. He didn't say that either. He said this. He said, church, fix your thoughts on what is true. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fix your thoughts on what is noble. I want you to think about what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. He didn't say, listen, fix your thoughts on the worst case scenario or um, fix your thoughts and think about the things that you hate 
or I want you to think about what you're afraid of or what could go wrong. I want you to play the what if game. He didn't say any of that. He said to the church, he said, listen, he said, if you want to train your mind, if you want to win the war that's going on in your mind, he said, fix your mind on what is good. He said, think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And I like the way that the King James Version puts it, the New King James Version. He, it says this, it says, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, he says, meditate on these things. Everybody say the word meditate. So meditate is, is a word that we're like, well, that's like, isn't that like what you do, kind of new age thing? Isn't that like when you're one with the universe, you're crossing your legs, you're crossing your arms, you're going, mm, and, you're, and you're just sitting there thinking uh, and trying to clear your thoughts, and, and, and that can be meditation, and that might be meditation for some people, but let me just give you a definition, another definition of meditation, and let me show you how scriptural healthy uh, that uh, meditation can be for us. And, and for our purposes, let me just sh share with you that meditation is to engage and mental exercise. It's to focus one's thoughts. In fact, if you look at Scripture, and if you read in the Old Testament, there are many examples of godly people meditating on the things that are true and lovely and admirable and excellent. They're meditating on the power of God's Word. And, and an example of this is in Psalm 119, verse 15. And here's what the psalmist, say, psalmist says. It says, I meditate on your precepts, and consider your ways. In other words, the psalmist is saying, listen, I'm focusing my mind on God's truth and I'm training my mind to see the truth versus the lies. Psalm 143.5 goes on and says, I meditate, God, on all of your works and consider what your hands have done. Now, in Eastern meditation, uh, the goal of meditation is to empty your mind. That's the goal of Eastern meditation, and you try and focus on nothing, right? And the goal is to get in a state of calm and such. And so you empty your mind, and you get in this calmness, this, this mode of calmness or state of calmness. But Christian meditation, it's not about emptying your mind. That's not what the psalmist says. It says it's filling your mind with God's truth. It's filling your mind with God's truth. It's fixing your mind on the truth that is found in God's Word, that that's what Christian meditation is. That's what, this, uh, what Paul meant when he said meditate on God's word. It's to fill your mind with God's truth. And the great theologian Jackie Chan uh, did in the remake of Karate Kid, which by the way, the remake of Karate Kid holds nothing to the original Karate Kid. You can't beat Mr. Miyagi and Daniel-san. Like you just can't. But, Mr. But, but Jackie Chan said this in the, the remake of Karate Kid. He said this. He said, your focus needs more focus. Your focus needs more focus. And some of you, this is the truth, that some of you need more focus. Some of you, your focus needs more focus. Your mind needs to uncross the wires that have been programmed to believe something that's not true. And you need to focus on what is true. That's what Paul said. We need to think about the things that are true. You need to fix your minds on the things of God because when our minds drift, and I don't know about you, but my mind can drift very quickly, and it generally doesn't drift to something that is true. So we need to focus on what is true. Uh, our, my mind 
when it drifts, it generally drifts on my own insecurities. That when my mind begins to drift, it often drifts on my own fears or my worst case scenarios. I begin to play the what if game in my mind and the lies that the devil has been telling me about myself for years. That's where my mind goes when I allow it to drift. And you're never going to be good enough is what's going on in my mind when it's drifting. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be capable. Um, I'm always going to be ashamed and, and God could never use me. That's where my mind drifts when I don't focus on the important things. We drift. But what we want to do is we want to learn to meditate on truth. We want to learn to focus and train our minds on God's truth. So I want to give you an exercise. We're going to get practical. I want to give you an exercise that, can honest, that I honestly believe can be a game changer in focusing on what is true. And so are you ready? Are you ready for this exercise? Everybody ready? Here we go. I hope you're awake. The first question, we talked about it last week. We need to ask ourselves and answer the question, what is the stronghold in your life that's holding you back? What, is, what would you say is the top wrong mindset in your mind that's holding you hostage? What is that stronghold? I want you to identify where have you allowed the wires to cross in your brain. And for some of you, it could just be a lie. Like maybe you grew up in a household that struggled with finances. And, and maybe you think that you're not any good with finances. So you just believe that we're never going to get out of debt because I've never been good with finances. So maybe it's that. Or, or maybe you have your wires crossed and you think, you know what? I've tried for years and I can't overcome this addiction. I, I, I'm just, I just, I'm never going to be able to overcome this addiction. And that's a lie. Or, or you might think I'll never be healthy. Like, you know, people in your family aren't healthy. Uh, and you're just like, I'm just not going to be healthy. Like my dad wasn't healthy. My granddad wasn't healthy. My aunt wasn't healthy or my uncle Bob wasn't healthy. So I'm just never going to be healthy. Or, or maybe I've tried to get close to God. Maybe you're like, I've tried to get close to God. And, and I've been close to God for like five seconds in my life. But then, then my mind drifts and, and I'm never going to be close to God. And maybe that's the lie you're believing. So what is the stronghold that is holding you back? What is uh, where your mental wires are crossed? Where has the devil, uh, where, where the devil has trained you with this mental pathway to believe something that's not true about you? That's the first part. Identify your stronghold. The second part we talked about last week is to answer the question, what spiritual truth from God's word will demolish that stronghold? What is the spiritual truth that demolishes or obliterates this stronghold? What is it for you? And, and, and so we're going to go and we're going to take a scriptural truth. We're going we're gonna to Google it or we're going to find in the Bible. We're going to study and read the Bible and find a scriptural truth. Not just any truth, but a scriptural truth. A truth for, that is fueled by God's word and allow it to renew our minds. So that's the second thing. What spiritual truth do we need from God that's going to demolish the stronghold in our life? And then here's the third thing. This is the thing that's new for us today. And here's what it is. We're going to let his word renew your mind. We're going to let God's word renew your mind. And what I want you to do is I want you to write out some truth. So you've just identified your stronghold. Now you've found some truth from God's word that's going to uh, uh, demolish that stronghold. And now what I want you to do is I want you to allow his word to renew your mind by writing out some truth. I want you to be very specific. Like if you're serious about winning the war in your mind, it's going to take some work. Like nothing that, uh, that, nothing that ever happens unless you work for it. 
And so it's going to take some work on your part, and I want you to write out some truth. Just write out the passages. Write them out on a piece of paper. Write out your, what your stronghold is and write out the truth. Maybe you pick three or four verses that you found. Whatever it is that demolishes the stronghold in your life. And I don't want you to just write a sentence, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about it. I want you to do what Paul said. I want you to meditate on those scriptures. So when you find the scripture that's going to demolish the stronghold in your life, I want you to write them out, and then I want you to think about them and meditate on them. Let it be born out of God's word, and then I want you to write a statement. I want you to write a statement that creates emotional energy toward the truth of God. So I want you to take those scriptures, and I want you to write in your own words a statement that is going to demolish that stronghold in your life. And once we write it down, we're going to start thinking on it. So we're not just going to write it down, but we're going to start thinking on it and meditating on it. And I'm going to encourage you to confess it until God starts to renew your mind. Now, Craig, in his book, he puts it this way. He says, we're going to write it, think it, confess it until we believe it. We're going to write it. We're going to think it. We're going to confess it until we believe it. And it may take some time. Like you may go home and you may think about your stronghold. You may find the truth and you may write out your statement. But it's, it may take some time to renew your mind because it's going to take some time to rewire those neural pathways in your brain. Because that's what we're doing. We're creating these new neural pathways that replace the old ones that had wires that were crossed that were helping you to believe lies in your life. You see, God is renewing our mind with truth. That's what is happening. And so let me give you some examples of what your statements might look like. Uh, and I'll give you several. Uh, and here's one. You might be struggling to know God's will in your life. Maybe that's your thing. I hope not because we just spent six weeks talking about life on purpose. But maybe you're struggling to know God's will in your life. And so you're going to create a statement. And it might look something like this. It might say, my life belongs to God. Daily I seek him and daily he directs my steps. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect will. And so you're going to write out this statement and then you're going you're gonna to think about it and you're going to say it out loud until you actually believe that your life belongs to God. Until you believe that you're going to daily seek him and, and he's going to direct your path, that you know his voice and that he leads you to his perfect will. And so over and over again, you're going to say it. My life belongs to God. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him. Daily he directs my steps. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect will. Or maybe here's yours. Maybe you're lacking confidence. Maybe you feel insecure uh, or maybe you feel inadequate or maybe you feel like I'm just not good enough. And so your statement might look something like this. My confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. Because his spirit lives within me, I can do everything he calls me to do. And so you're going to write it, and you're going to think it, and you're going to confess it until you believe it. All based on scripture. All found on scripture, on God's truth. You take God's scripture, you write it in your own words, you apply it to your life, you say it, you confess it until you believe it. Now you might have like a struggle with uh, a fighting with lustful thoughts. And you're, you're sick and tired of being hostage to images and shameful ideas. And so you're going to ask God to renew your mind. You're going to let God renew your mind. And so you're going to say something like this over and over again. You're going to say, I am not a slave to lustful thoughts because God has purified my mind. 
I will honor God with my eyes and my thoughts. My God is faithful. Even if I am tempted, he will give me a way out. All based on scripture. You're going to write it. You're going to think it. You're going to confess it until you believe it. You might find comfort in food. Maybe that's your deal. Maybe you find your struggle is you find comfort in food and you don't want to do this anymore. Like you're tired of the pathway that goes from uh, when you feel bad about yourself going straight to the refrigerator eating that gallon of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Like you've been doing it for years and you're like, I'm sick of it. Like I know that's not healthy for me. I'm gaining weight and, and I'm tired of it. And so maybe you're going to declare this. Maybe you're going to declare when I'm stressed, I turn to God, not to food. I come to Jesus because he is what I need. I find, in him, I find strength and comfort. And so you're going to write it based on God's truth. You're going to write it. You're going to think it. You're going to confess it until what? Until you believe it. You see, what is the stronghold in your life? Where have the wires crossed in your brain? What is the spiritual truth that's going to set you free from that stronghold? And once you discover that, you're going to write it. And once you write it, you're going to think it. And once you think it, you're going to confess it. And once you confess it, you're going to keep doing it until you believe it. You're creating these new neural pathways based on God's truth. And God will do this. He will begin to renew your mind. He'll begin to replace the lies that you've been believing maybe for years with his truth. And why does this matter? Why is this so important? It's so important because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Do you get that? Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And if you don't control what you think, you'll never control the destiny of your life. So take back your mind. And how do you take back your mind? By training your mind. And how do you train your mind? By meditating on God's truth. Fix your mind on what is true and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Meditate on such things. Focus your mind on God's truth. So what are you going to do, church? Are you going to continue to lose the battle that's going on in your mind? Are you going to begin to take ground and begin to win the battles in your mind by doing this, by identifying whatever mental stronghold is going on in your life? And once you identify it, then you're going to identify the truth that completely sets you free from that bondage. You're going to write it. You're going to think it. You're going to confess it until you believe it. And as followers of Jesus, what will we not do? What will we refuse to do? As followers of Jesus, we will refuse to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but we will be transformed, changed, made new by the renewing of our minds. Listen, you're not going to do it by trying harder. You're not going to do it by being smarter. You're not going to do it by putting more effort into it. The only way that you will win the battle that's going on in your mind is by renewing
renewing it. So identify the stronghold. What's the biggest lie that you're believing? Apply God's truth to that lie. And then take the time to write it, think it, confess it, until you start believing God's truth. Because here's what Jesus says. He says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the the victories that are going to take place in the minds of the people that are sitting in front of me. Lord, we're all doing battle in our minds. God, we're all fighting against the lies of the world. We're all fighting against the lies that we tell ourselves. We're all fighting against the lies of the evil one as he whispers them in our ears. And Father, the only way that we can win the battle in our mind, the only way that we can demolish those strongholds is by replacing the lies not just with any truth, but God, replacing the lies with your truth. Because Jesus told us that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. So Father, I pray for myself and I pray for my friends. The Lord, that we would do the hard work of renewing our minds. That we would follow Paul's example of meditating on your meditating on scripture that's the secret that unlocks the victory and allows us to win the battle that's going on in our minds Father a lot of us are walking around with wires crossed or we don't have to because we have the truth right in front of us truth will renew us. So help us to think about things that are true and admirable and wonderful and beautiful and perfect and good. Let's think about those things. Holy Spirit, would you just come and empower us and equip us? Even now, as we sit here focused on you, Lord, would you reveal the strongholds in our lives? God, would you begin to point us in the direction of this truth that's going to demolish those strongholds? Father, would you nudge us to do the hard work of writing it down, thinking it, confessing it, and then believing that your word, that you know what's best for us better than we do. Love you, Jesus. Lord, if there's someone in this room today who's never given their life to you, Father, they're like, man, my lot, my life has been one loss after another. Father, that today would be the day of victory for someone. That today would be the day that they would surrender their life to you. They would give their life, offer their lives to you, so that you might begin a victory that's you today just 
simply say, Lord, I invite you into my life. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I confess to you that I have been far from you, but today I want to be near you. Today I want to give my life to you and walk with you. I want victory in my life. I'm tired of loss. I want some wins. The greatest win you could ever have is a personal relationship with Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us in the many ways that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we wrap up today and we sing our closing song, I invite you to come up and spend time in prayer. Maybe you just want to come and celebrate some victories. Maybe you did the homework last week and you identified some strongholds in your life and you're like, Pastor Rick, I got some scripture. I got some truth. I'm ready to put it into my mind. I'm ready to uncross my wires and begin to win some victories. Maybe you just want to come and celebrate that. Or maybe you're like, man, I'm tired of losing the war in my mind and you just want to come and invite the Holy Spirit to come and empower you and equip you to win war that's going on in your mind. Whatever it is, you're welcome to come and spend time in prayer. You want someone to pray with you? I'm right here on the front row. I'd be honored to pray with you. But let's all stand together. And let's worship together. and Let's worship in, in the spirit of knowing that we have victory in Jesus and that we have victory in God's truth because Jesus said that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. We don't have to live in bondage. We can live free, free from sin, and we can win the war in our mind. We partner with Jesus. So let's sing this out together.